Good morning and welcome to Kensington Online. We are in week two of our summer series called Binge Watch. And we're binge watching the lives of two great leaders in the Bible that you may not have heard that much about, um, but they are incredibly significant because of what they did as they followed God and for what we can learn about following God from them. They are Joshua and Nehemiah. Last week in episode one of Joshua, we learned that Joshua was one of the greatest generals Israel had ever had and actually was the leader that led the Israelites into the promised land. It was not Moses, who most of us have heard, and Moses gets all the credit and all the fame. Moses led Israel out of Egypt, but Joshua was the one who actually led them into the promised land. And in today's episode, we're going to learn why Moses was out and Joshua was in. Now, as with all shows, as we binge watch, new episode comes on, um, we have to do a quick recap, okay, of last week. Joshua shows up for the first time in the book of Exodus, chapter 17, where he leads the army and fights a battle against the Amalekites, and he wins. From there, we next see Joshua show up in Exodus 24, where we find out one of the key reasons that Joshua becomes the great leader, one of the great leaders in the Bible. He was an assistant, he was mentored by Moses. He went up on the mountaintop with Moses when God wrote the Ten Commandments on tablets of stone. Twice he did that. Um, he would go into the tent of meeting with Moses as God would come down in a pillar of cloud and meet with Moses and talk face to face. He was next to Moses when Moses organized and basically was the construction superintendent leading thousands of craftsmen building a portable temple where the people could have God meet with them and they could offer sacrifices. We find out that Joshua was mentored by Moses. He was Moses' right-hand dude. Wherever Moses went, whatever Moses did, Joshua was right there with him, just like for you to become great, for you to become all that God dreamed and desires for you to become. You need a mentor, someone ahead of you to show you the way and help shape you. That was last week, episode one recap. Now, let's get into today. We find out why Joshua, not Moses, led the people of Israel into the promised land. Now, it's called the promised land because it was the land that God had promised to give to the Israelites. And I don't know if you know this, but there are promises that God has made to you as well. A so-called promised land that he wants you to live in. Now, probably not a physical land, but what I mean is God has promised you a life of peace, a life of contentedness, a life of blessing. He has promised you that he has a plan for your life. He's promised you that he has a mission for you that you were actually designed to fulfill in this lifetime. God has promised to you that if you would give to him generously, he will give back to you even more gener generously. He's promised to make your burden light and direct the steps of your life down his path. He has promised to bless you and keep you and never forsake you. He has promised that though you suffer a little while, that he will make you strong and firm and steadfast. He has promised you that you have a future in heaven and a new body uh, where you'll get a new body with no pain, no suffering, no tears, and that you can live here with the hope of that in your heart. God has promised that he will use 
use you to change the world around you and can use you to actually change the eternity of other people. God has promised that wherever you go, he will go before you. God has promised you a life of confidence and adventure and hope and faith in him. There is a promised land for you. A place to live in relationship with God where you you experience his promises in your life on a daily basis. And through episode two of Joshua titled The Scout, we're going to learn how to unlock the door to the promises God has already made to you for your life. Now, as we did last week, we kind of got to talk about who is going to play Joshua in this episode this week. Um, Last week, we had a young Keanu Reeves play Joshua. This week, we need someone that has a little more depth to them than Keanu has. Sorry, Keanu. But I was between two of my favorite big-time actors um, for the role of Joshua for this episode. Um, I was between Tom Hanks from Saving Private Ryan and Will Smith from the original Independence Day, like the first one. And I went with Will Smith. He's one of my favorite actors, and he kind of has a swagger about him that gives you confidence in him. Um, And besides, he took on aliens, and he won, right? Um, Well, let's jump into our story today. Um, It's in the book of Numbers in the Old Testament. And I'm telling you, if you think the Bible's irrelevant, this is one of the stories where you realize it is a living book. It's timeless, and it is as applicable to today, to you and me, as it was to the people at the time that it was written. Now, it starts with Moses leading the people of Israel who were slaves of Egypt at the time into freedom through the parting of the Red Sea. When he did that, God said he was going to lead them to land that God had promised to them. It was a land that was flowing with milk and honey where he would be their God. They would be his people. They would own the land. They would have their own resources um, and, and would have their own nation. They would not be slaves to anyone. Huge promises, exciting promises, especially after 400 years of being under the thumb of the Egyptians. Now, a lot of scholars um, estimate that there were over 2 million Israelites, probably close to 2.4 million Israelites traveling to the promised land, which was hundreds of miles away. And how God led them there. It's really cool. Um, It was by a a cloud by day that they would follow and a fire by night um, that they would follow so that when they were traveling, they knew which way to go. It took them over a year to get there, traveling in the desert. And throughout this time, God was doing the miraculous. Every morning on the ground, there would be food, manna from heaven. It would appear on the ground. It's like a wafer uh, type of deal, super tasty. At one point, they were thirsty, and God had Moses strike a rock, and water came out of the rock to give to them. They complained about the manna after a while because they wanted meat. So God brought them quail. Birds literally flew into their camp and dive-bombed to their deaths at people's feet. It's like this. Imagine your kids, like mine, whining about being hungry, and, and flap, 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 bird crashes into the window, snack, okay? That's what it was like. If any people could count on God, it was these people. It was the Israelites who experienced God doing miracles every day. Well, they finally get to the brink of the promised land, and God stops them. And he speaks to Moses and he says, hey, send 12 spies to go out and check the land and survey it. Um, And Joshua shows up, one of Moses' trusty assistants, probably his main assistant. He's one of the 12. So Moses sends them out. The whole nation is waiting for the scouts to return with the expected news that they were finally home. 
and they were going to experience a fulfilled promise. The scouts are gone for 40 days. While they're gone, they go out, they see the land, they see like Costco-sized grapes, figs, which you know what, I hear if you ever get stopped up, they're very helpful, Um, milk, honey, uh, it was beautiful, it was amazing, but they also started to find tribes of people in the land. There were people with cities that had been built. The scariest were the Amalekites, uh, the, the Anakites, and the Amorites, people who Goliath was a descendant of meaning they were giants. Scholars believe they were anywhere from 9 to 11 feet tall, super muscular, cities full of people like that, of giants like that. Well, the spies returned to camp. Now, imagine you're one of the families. You've been traveling for over a year, and 40 days go by, and every day you're just looking at the hillside saying, man, when are they going to come back? 40 days of waiting. They finally show up. They're carrying fruits and vegetables and honey and whatever else that is awesome. And the people ask the question, is this it? Is this our land? And here is what they responded with. Numbers 13, verse 25. After exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit they had taken from the land. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here's the kind of fruit it produces. But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there and descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in the Negev, and the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. So here's what happens. It blows me away. They come back, and everybody's like, is this it? And they're like, yes, this is it. But some of the scouts start to say, but there's big people there. There's giants there. The story goes on. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Remember the name Caleb. Let's go at once and take the land. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there and descendants of Anak next to them. We felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. Then the whole community began weeping aloud, and they cried all night. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they complained. Why is it, why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Then they plotted among themselves, let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. And what we find is fear began to grip this entire community of people. Ten of the 12 spies come back afraid. And that fear spread through the entire nation like wildfire and so gripped them that they were actually willing to go back to captivity rather than face their fears, rather than face those giants, which gets us to an interesting part of this message. 
which requires us to look into our hearts. See, the Israelites were not too different from us. The question for them was, will they be shaped by their fear or will they be shaped by their faith? Faith in the promise of God that he would give them the land. And for the, fear, for the Israelites, their fear of the giants, the perception that they were grasshoppers in those people's eyes, stopped them in their tracks. And what's crazy is God had blessed them. He had led them. He had shown them the way. He performed miracles like crazy. He traveled with them, promised them that this would be their land. But their fear stopped them at the doorstep. Now think about that for a second. This is how powerful fear is if we will let it take root. They were free after 400 years of slavery and were so afraid that they wanted to go back rather than experience God's promised land. And I'll tell you why one of the reasons is is because they didn't realize that for this promise God gave them, they were going to have to go take the land. They were going to have to take it. They were going to have to put in effort. They were going to have to fight for it. They were going to have to step out in faith. They were going to have to struggle to get it. Unfortunately, they probably just expected God to just give it to them. And that's some of us right now. God has made promises to you and brought you right to the edge of his promised land for your life. And you scouted it out. Maybe you looked over the edge and looked at, man, what is this promise that God's given me? And you know what God's calling you to do. You know the, what the right thing to do is. But you didn't realize that you were going to have to take the land. You didn't realize that you were going to have to put in effort. You were going to have to fight for it. You were going to have to step out in faith. You were going to struggle to get it. So maybe you saw too many obstacles if you went for it. You saw a change of schedule that you didn't like. You saw making a long-term commitment that you weren't sure you could make. You, 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 you saw giving up some of your income, maybe, or giving up some of your pet sins or revealing some of your secrets to someone for the very first time in your life. Or you saw looking different in people's eyes if they knew that you became a follower of Jesus and you became afraid. So afraid that you would rather... Live in your safety and security rather than trust God and overcome your fear. That is why so many people stop at the edge of God's promises and never experience them. Of the 12 spies that went out, 10 allowed fear. Fear of these giants to define and make their decision. Their fear won out over their faith in the God who had promised the land to them. And they took that fear and they made everybody else afraid. Except for two of the spies, Caleb and our guy Joshua. Numbers 14, verse 5. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down on the ground before the whole community of Israel. Two of the men who had explored the land Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, tore their clothing. They said to all the people of Israel, The land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land, and if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord, and don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless prey to us. They have no protection but the Lord is with us, so don't be afraid of them. 
And it says, but the whole community then began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb, just killing them. For Israel, the fear was just too great. Their faith was too small. And the consequences of their fear was devastating. God told the people that because of their unwillingness to follow him and trust him where he led them, no adult living at that time, 20 years or older, would ever see the promised land except for two. The next generation of Israelites would enter and take possession of the land led by Joshua and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb would be the only ones of their generation to experience the promise that God had given to his people because of their faith and belief in God's promise to lead them. So the question is, what giant is God asking you to take on in your life right now with his help? And fear is keeping you from it. What's standing between you and God's promises? What fear has you stopped in your tracks? Is it leaving that relationship that doesn't honor God? Is it admitting failure? Is it apologizing to someone that you've been avoiding because you've wronged them and healing the relationship? Maybe that giant, that fear is, is coming clean on some issues that you've been hiding and stepping into accountability or, or taping, taking that step of faith to follow Jesus or releasing your children to make their own decisions and experience their own consequences. That is so hard as a parent. That's very scary as a parent. Maybe it's being honest about the fact that you actually do need help. Maybe it's going to marriage counseling even though you're afraid of what other people are going to think of you. Maybe it's giving generous financially maybe even tithing, 10% of your income. Maybe it's talking to somebody that you're close to about Jesus and witnessing and sharing with them about your faith and inviting them to follow Jesus as well. Maybe it's joining a life group and, and learning and growing spiritually together with other people rather than trying to do it alone. See, the reality of following Jesus is that he's not a God of complacency. He's a God of action. He has plans for your life. He wants you to grow and change to become what it is that he created you to be. He's not a status quo God. He wants you to raise the standard of your life. He wants you to be someone that has an impact for good on the world around you. He wants you to change the world because of your relationship with him. He has a promised land for you that you'll have to go in and fight for. You'll have to go in and step out in faith. It'll require faith and work and energy and focus and trust in God. It will require you to take on some giants in your life that you will have to have faith in God to take on. And I'll tell you, this story takes me back to why Melissa and I moved our family of six with our four kids down here to Florida in the first place 11 years ago. Melissa had never lived outside of Michigan, actually really outside of 30 minutes from where she grew up. I had lived there 18 years. It was home. We had great friends. We had a great church. Um, all of our family was there. And it's a long story, but when God made it clear to us that we had new territory, that he was um, asking us to come down here and take um, to start Kensington, we had never wanted to live in Florida. That was never even in our dreams. It was never in our desires, but God made it so clear that that was a promised land that this was. Florida was a promised land that he wanted to give to us. And it came down to were we going to shrink back in fear of the unknown, going to a place where we didn't really know anybody with people that we didn't really know? Or were we going to step out in faith and just trust God to deliver on his promise to Melissa and I that he would go before us and do something new through us? And I will just tell you this. 
That is one of the moments in my life that I look back and I'm so grateful that faith won out over our fear. I couldn't imagine our lives living anywhere else, having the friends that we have, people that we're going to do life with, hopefully for the rest of our life. We've been so blessed here. We have now a spiritual family that we're a part of that is a blessing to us every single day. We've been able to start something new that has impacted hundreds and hundreds of people, um, including ours. It's impacted us. I have a friend of mine um, who says kind of at times his default is fear, and he gets afraid. And when he starts living in fear, he starts seeing his whole life um, with a scarcity mentality. He starts focusing on what he could lose instead of what he could gain. And so here's the question. Does fear have you wandering right now outside of the promises that God has given to you? Does fear have you living with a scarcity mentality? And what if you responded with faith that God is a God who will fulfill his promises, that the land, that the place that he has promised you, that you could live, that as you step out in faith, he will give it to you. And I just look at it this way. What would our community look like if faith won out over fear in our community, in our church? If we just became people that lived out of our faith rather than our fear? What would your life look like if your faith in God to fulfill his promises won out daily over your fears? And I will tell you this, the Israelites' fear caused them to wander for 40 years before they could enter into the promised land. It required faith to push through that. Joshua and Caleb got to lead them. And so what might you be able to push through and get to if you just allowed your faith in Jesus, faith in God to lead the way? And for someone out there, I know today is your day to step into a life of faith, to put your fear aside of what people might think, your fear of wondering if, if, if you know enough, your fear of, uh, of what, whatever fear you have about stepping across that line of faith, uh, of, of being different, of giving up some parts of, of, the, of the, the life that you've created that maybe God might ask you to do. That fear, finally, today is a day where faith is going to win out, and you're going to step across that line of faith and place your trust in your future and your hope in Jesus Christ. And if that's you, I want to take a moment to just pray with you, invite you to pray with me, and then I want to pray for all of us that we would become people of faith and that we would allow our faith to win out over our fear. So pray with me. Let's close our eyes and bow our heads. And if you're ready to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior and you want to accept Jesus into your, into your heart, just make my words your words. There's nothing special about the words. It really is the, the, the posture of your heart that matters. You can say something like this. God, today... I want to let faith win out over fear. I believe you sent your son Jesus to earth to die on the cross for my sins. I believe that he raised from the dead three days later. And that because of that, I can now experience forgiveness of sins and an eternity in heaven. And so I ask right now that you would forgive me. I ask that you would come into my life and be my Lord and Savior and help me to live my life as a person of faith, as a follower of you. Today, I give my life to you. 
And Lord, for the rest of us, I just pray for those of us that, that maybe even over the last few months, we're just gripped by fear. Where you're asking us to step into the promised land that you have for us and, and trust you for the promises you've given to us. And fear has been making us wander outside and kept us from doing that. Lord, I pray that you would give us faith, strength, and faith that we might follow you into the unknown, follow you wherever you're leading us. Help us to have those conversations, to submit to the people around us, to open up, to, to talk about you, to, to go where you're calling us to go, to make decisions that are tough, but that where we have to go out and take the land that you've promised to us. But God, as we do that, give us not only the strength, but allow us to understand and see that you are with us in every step that we take. And Lord, help us to be a community of faith, not a community of fear. And Lord, as we do that, we trust you and we know that you will do amazing things through us to reach this area and proclaim who you are to the world. In your holy name, amen. Now, I want to thank those of you um, that are giving um, and you've continued to give throughout this whole time. Um, it has been such a blessing uh, to us to have you on board and just still on mission with us. And um, if you would like to start giving and you've been wondering how to do that, we have a, a number of ways to do it. Um, one is our website. And you can go to our website. It's on the screen now. Um, or you can also go to a new app that we have. It's called the My Well Giving app. And uh, there's also a little logo on the screen there that you can use that to get to the app store and pick that up. And, and uh, I just want to thank you for being committed to what God is doing through our church and being on board with us. Um, and also for those of you that are not in a life group right now, and, and maybe today is like, okay, you need to just trust God and jump in. We do have a uh, semester of life groups coming up in July that you can sign up for um, by going online. You can go online to our website to this web address, or you can text groups to the number that's also on the screen. But we'd love to have you um, connected. Now, next week, we fast forward 40 years. And we are going to talk about how Joshua leads the people into the promised land. It's going to be a great episode. want to invite you back for that. But before we go, I want to also invite you to just engage in some worship of this incredible God that 4,000 years ago was alive and well and is alive and well today and still wanting to lead and guide us. And so let's worship him as the band leads. Just open up your heart, engage the lyrics, and if you're comfortable, sing along. See you guys next week. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone. I'm no longer a slave. God, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. From my mother's womb, you have chosen me. Love has called. been born again into your family 
your blood flows through my veins I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child of God 